Welcome once again, everybody, to another episode of There's Just Something About Kansas City, where we are in conversation with the people, places, and things that make this such a great place to live. And I couldn't be happier today than to have this young man sitting across from me uh, d- during this podcast, the one and only Matt Beasler, the former Sporting Kansas City great, the only native Kansan, Kansan to uh, ever play in a World Cup uh, match. Uh, I'm just glad to have you here, Matt. You just uh, This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I'm really excited for this, too. Yeah, it, it'll be great. You know, uh, I went back over your past history, and you and your brother, um, Nick, of course, became the two soccer players in your family. But your dad was a walk-on football player at Kansas State, right? And your brother, Mike, was a great quarterback at Blue Valley West and then went on to coach some football. What Did you ever dabble? Did you and uh, – and uh, Nick ever dabble in playing football? Was that was that part of it growing up? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I I always loved football. I was always interested in football. the The tough thing about football is that in high school, at least, it's the same season as soccer. It's in the fall. Right. So I always knew, you know, ever since I started playing soccer, that playing high school football was probably not going to happen for me. And that definitely influenced my decision to not really get involved in football. I did play football in seventh grade mm-hmm. uh, one year. I liked it. I was tiny. I didn't really <laughs> like getting hit, uh, but I was fast enough um, that and quick enough that I could kind of avoid the big tackles and, you know, scored some decent touchdowns just because of the speed. But, uh, yeah, ultimately uh, it just it wasn't for me. And, you know, yeah. yeah so at, at a pretty young age then, you, you pretty much knew that if you're going to go anywhere, do anything with a sport, it was going to be soccer. It could have been as young as elementary school? Yeah, I, yes and no. So I, I was I was the kid uh, like a lot of my classmates when the teacher asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> pro athlete, pro soccer player, pro football player. Like, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a pro athlete. And um, – when I was young, I really didn't care what sport it was. Mm-hmm. My favorite sport was whatever season it was. In the wintertime, I w- loved watching basketball, playing basketball. Fall was soccer and football and baseball in the, in the summertime. And so um, it, it, was, it was different than it is in today's mm-hmm. world. It wasn't as, as year-round as it is. And so I kind of just transitioned from sport to sport. Um, and it, if you don't know this, soccer is kind of a tough sport to practice by yourself. It's a little boring to, to <laughs> practice by yourself. Your footwork. You know, yeah, all that sort of and, stuff, yeah. And so it's just when you're a kid, you know, you you want to be out in the yard like throwing the football and, and playing basketball by yourself and playing one-on-one. And soccer wasn't really like that. And so to be honest with you, I probably played and practiced the other sports a lot more than I did soccer um, up until early years of high school. Mm-hmm. That was when I – realized, okay, you know, my goal is to, to play college sports. I want to work to get a, a scholarship to go play uh, a college sport. And soccer was going to give me the best opportunity to do that. And so that's when I started focusing a little bit more on soccer. Yeah, and so as you're growing up, God bless uh, your mom and dad, uh, Greg and Diane, as, uh, you know, they had to get the three boys to everything. And, of course, I'm sure there were some soccer matches versus football games that – you know, got missed or whatever, and just transporting your kids uh, everywhere. They must have been wide open to whatever you want to do as long as you're doing something. Yeah, uh, never felt pressure from my parents to to pursue anything. Um, 
other than schoolwork. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> school, yeah, school. You had to have your grades up. Mm-hmm. Um, if your grades weren't up, and the funny thing is, too, uh, you know, we talk about like summer jobs. The rule at my house was I had to pay for my gas. Okay, so I was in charge of that. So whatever I could, whatever I needed to do to get mm-hmm. gas, it was mowing yards or whatever, or you know, even saving like birthday money. Like I had to pay for my gas, but I wasn't forced to get a job. I never had a summer job. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only stipulation was you have to get good grades and you have to focus on sports in the summer. Wow! And if you choose to do that, they would they didn't make me get a job. So I always took school very seriously, and in the summertime, I signed up for camps. I I went to practice on my own. Mm-hmm. I you know, played AAU basketball, like sports were important to me. So I held up my end of the deal and I never had to get a summer job. Yeah. Now, did either one of your brothers shirk on any of those responsibilities and get a little bit more than, than, than poor Matt got during that time? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Uh, if you interview them, I'm sure they would say yes. I was, I had the benefit of being that, uh, that firstborn child. Yeah. Yeah. You were the oldest kid, right? Yes. Gosh, oldest. Yeah. Yeah, yep, that's amazing. Stuff. Yeah. And uh, so as you go through and you're going through, you're coming up through youth soccer, and then all of a sudden you get to high school soccer. And of course, when you're playing high school soccer, just also was that when you went with KCFC, the Alliance, and you had a club team at that time as well, right? Yeah. So I yeah. started that a little bit before high school. I started playing club soccer. Uh, well, to, to rewind from the very beginning, I signed up uh, and, and started playing Blue Valley Rec. Yes, uh, right. I was sure. with my my rec team, mm-hmm. my schoolmates. It was honestly, it was a bunch of dads that probably didn't know what they were doing. I know my dad; he was one of the coaches, but he never grew up playing soccer. He grew up in Topeka. He played all the more traditional sports. Right. Played football, that's for sure. And, yeah. yeah, and so they were kind of learning as they were going. Um, and then about second or third grade, there was a group of the Blue Valley rec kids that you know really enjoyed playing mm-hmm. soccer. They were maybe some of the better players on the team. They formed a club team, joined KCFC Alliance. That was the club team that I played with all the way up until, you know, my, my senior year of high school when mm-hmm. club soccer was over. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the club team I grew up on um, and had a great experience with club soccer. Yeah, and then you also crossed over and played high school soccer at Blue Valley West, right? Yes. So uh, how, how much of a, a difference was that for you when you're trying to juggle those two do, during that time? Um, so at first, I I liked club soccer a lot better than high school soccer. Um, to me, the club soccer level was more competitive, right. and um, you know, yeah, I'd just been playing club soccer with the same people for so long, and I had better relationships with them. High school soccer at first was was more challenging for me, at least, because we were starting a brand new school. So Blue Valley West right. uh, was a brand new school my I freshman year. I remember my year. son went over. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it opened in, in 2002, which was my freshman year. Right. And so there was a lot of great things about that. New facilities, new school, new beginnings. But there was also some challenges. There was no established tradition or right. you know upperclassmen. So we were starting a soccer, soccer program from scratch. We were okay. We, we, you know, we were probably 500. Um, but I didn't really embrace it or enjoy it until my junior or senior year when we had, you know, a couple years under our belt, Mm -hmm. I was an upperclassman. I had the responsibility of, of, you know, being one of the better players on the team. And, uh, we did, we ended up winning our state championship my senior year, which, uh, which is still one of my highlights of my career and, and one of my favorite memories. Yeah. So when you're coming up through high school now, you're getting better and better. Did they, when you were being recruited, were they recruiting you more off of the um, off of KCFC, or were they recruiting you more off of Blue Valley West, or where 
where were you getting most of the people watching you play? Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know the answer to that because I I'm not on a college staff or I don't know how they scout. If I had to if I had to guess, I would say it's it's probably more from the club soccer. Okay. Um, I do know that uh, I got scouted by Notre Dame at a, at a at a college showcase tournament, which was with with my club team. It was at a tournament outside of St. Louis in Edwardsville, Illinois. Mm-hmm. We were doing a, just a weekend college showcase, and uh, yeah, the Notre Dame coaches were there and uh, ended up playing. I guess playing good enough for them to send me a letter. Yeah. What about were there other schools involved? Did you did did you have was it a tough decision to make? I know if you get something from Notre Dame, you're qualifying, you're going to go. I mean that that's a pretty big tug. Yeah. Uh, on on somebody to go. But were there other schools that you're interested in that that may have uh, stepped in there? Yes, there were. So. Um, I, I I love I love Kansas City, um, and we'll I'm sure I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, right? we will um, get into that. Yes. And so um, I always envisioned myself staying around here. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is Big Twelve does not have men's soccer um, because of Title Nine. Right. And so I always knew that if I was going to go play soccer, it, it wasn't going to be in the Big Twelve. Um, otherwise, I probably would have ended up somewhere around here. Sure. So I knew that going in. Um, I was kind of all over the place. Uh, I looked at Northwestern really mm-hmm. hard. Uh, loved Chicago. Loved the school. Um, had a great visit up there. Uh, my aunt is the field hockey coach at Michigan for women's field oh, hockey. Wow. Mm-hmm. She has been up there for a very long time. Very successful coach. So that was an option as well. Um, I looked at Creighton a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was probably the closest Division One school that has soccer. They have a great program, too. And then lastly, I, I looked at Stanford. Um, ultimately, <laughs> it came down to Stanford and Notre Dame. Right. Um, I still remember getting the letter from Notre Dame. Um, it, you know, it, 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 to me, it looked like just a regular letter. You know, it had my name on it. But I, but in the in the corner, it had that gold indie yeah, emblem, and exactly. it kind of just stuck <laughs> out, and it was shiny. And I remember my dad, you know, kind of looking at it, and he started getting emotional. Um, which doesn't happen very often, and I, I don't think I'd ever seen before. And uh-huh. it kind of hit me. I'm like, whoa! Like my dad is my dad's crying because I got a letter from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what what is that about? And you know, my dad grew up Catholic. He, mm-hmm. like I said, he's from Topeka and grew up with like a very rich Notre Dame, I guess, history. I didn't know much about it. I knew about Notre Dame and. But I didn't know where South Bend was. Sure. You know, I knew they were on football every Saturday on NBC <laughs> outside of Chicago. But honestly, I didn't know much about it. Um, but that influenced me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think it was a lot of subconscious, you know, like my dad never told me to go to Notre Dame. But like right. that moment of seeing his reaction and how proud he was just for me to get a letter. It's like, OK, I got to go check this place out. Yeah. Um, so we went on a visit to Notre Dame and it just felt right. Um, that's really what it came down to. I just felt like I, I could fit in, and I felt like it was the right mix for me. Um, there was a, just a bunch of people there that um, cared about school, that that were passionate about being successful. You know, most of them grew up playing sports, but they also liked to have a good time. You know, they didn't take themselves too seriously. They still liked to party a little bit on the weekends, let loose, and and for me, that's kind of what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, my parents are very very emotional as well. Uh, I was accepted at Notre Dame, and I turned it down. 
Wow, that doesn't and happen often. I no, feel like. that that doesn't happen very often. And uh, I don't think they ever spoke to me after that again <laughs> ever <laughs> back home in Pittsburgh. They go, "You're going where exactly?" I said, "Well, I'm not going to Notre Dame, Mom and Dad." So they well, were, you so you went to Villanova. I went right? to Villanova, okay. right? But, I feel like so. Uh, my freshman year, we traveled to play Villanova, uh-huh. and I had never been to Villanova before, and I probably couldn't have told you where Villanova was because right. I was from Kansas City. Right. And uh, when I got on the campus, I was like, holy cow, this is like almost identical, it felt like, to Notre Dame. To Notre Dame Same yeah. feel, like mm-hmm. the Gothic buildings, the size of it. So I, I'm i sure you had a great time, and I've, I've always you know been interested and in, in impressed by Villanova. Yeah, yeah, it was a great place. Well, thanks. Yeah, I loved it, and it was Great, but uh, my mom and dad weren't that impressed. Okay, so okay, they, sorry. they would have much rather than have gone to uh, Notre Dame. In fact, I did a scholarship at Villanova, and uh, you know to play football. So I think, well, they should be happy because they don't have to pay any money to go to school. And they turn around and say, "We'll pay for your education, Notre Dame, if you don't go to Villanova." Oh, to play wow. Football. Okay. And I said, "Sorry, still going to Villanova." So that, uh, yeah, it was because mom and dad were Catholic. They grew up with friends of theirs and that were Notre Dame grads. They used to go to the University of Pittsburgh and Notre Dame game every year, yeah. whether it was in Pitt, at Pitt or if it was in yeah, South Bend. Yeah, that was Bend. always a big rivalry. They used to take the rivalries. train from Pittsburgh and go to South Bend. Yeah. And, oh, they, they were just on cloud nine until I said no. So I, I, I think understand we how that emotional thing, <laughs> <laughs> except my, my our emotions were on, were on a different side than your dad's were. We, uh, my we, mom and dad cried too, okay. but for a different yeah. reason. <laughs> we need to take him to a game. Let's we take should. him to a Notre Dame game <laughs> and right. we'll bury the hatchet That's and you guys exactly will be right. That's exactly right. Well, everything worked out, obviously, for you there. Um, you went through your four years at uh, Notre Dame, great education. You're All-American, All-Academic, you're Player of the Year. Went to the National Quarterfinals in 06 and 07, which was, I think, pretty unusual for Notre Dame at, at that point. I don't think they really played in a whole lot of those games, did they, in, in soccer? Yeah, we were we were a mid-tier program. Good program, but right. we weren't a powerhouse. So we were, we were just fighting to get over that hump. To, to really establish ourselves like a, a top five, top ten team right. in the country. And we were right on the cusp. Um, but, yeah, when I was there, we were uh, sort of laying the foundation. Um, my youngest brother likes to remind me he's six years younger than I am. Um, he went to Notre Dame went after Notre me, Dame and too. they won a national championship. <laughs> and so he flashes the ring, um, deservedly so. Yeah. Um, but I do like to remind him that, you know, we laid the foundation I started it, yeah, pal, yeah. not you. Okay, yeah. the only reason you did this is because of me, Yeah. because of our group. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure the sibling rivalry runs deep at that point. And then probably Mike, who was a football player, right? He's probably the one who steps in and starts the fight and then he backs out, right? Is that the Yeah, I mean I think uh I think early on it was it was like that. But now, you know, everybody's re- matured a little bit. Um <laughs> you know, we all we all respect uh everyone's accomplishments. And you know, honestly my my middle brother he had a very impressive sports career too. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't go on to to play anything professionally, but he had a great run. Yeah, yeah, he did, and then became coach. Right, he was coach while he's still coach. Is he still coaching? Nope, not coaching. But yeah, he he uh, got back into coaching uh, after college. Okay, yeah, yeah, right, a- absolutely. Okay, so you, you go through Notre Dame. Now, some we got the drafts coming. MLS is getting bigger and bigger and bigger as you're growing up, and the sport of soccer in Kansas City is getting bigger and bigger and bigger as you grow up as well. St. Louis had our number forever. They had started earlier. You'd probably you've probably gone over there and played some of their teams when you were younger. I remember my two boys both played premier soccer. They'd go over there and they thought they were doing pretty well, and they'd walk away with a six nothing or seven nothing defeat, wondering who are these kids. And you know, but they'd started, and now the MLS is getting bigger and bigger. And you're coming out 
The MLS draft is up. What did you think on draft night when the MLS draft started? So my year of the draft was actually in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And um, I did not get invited to the draft. Um, so in soccer, it's it's a little different than some of the other sports. You right. know, they, they're not flying people in, all expenses paid, you know, putting you up in the Ritz or anything like that. <laughs> so the draft was you know, let's just say like one o'clock in the afternoon in St. Louis. So I woke up in Kansas city the morning of the draft and I drove over to St. Louis with my parents. Mm -hmm. We all just drove over to St. Louis that morning. We got there a couple hours before the draft. Um, the night before the draft, you know, I was back in Kansas city. I had just graduated from college. So like I'm sleeping in my childhood bed. I'm mm -hmm. back at my parents' house. It was a weird feeling. <laughs> um, I thought I was going to New York. Um, the night before the draft, I had met with the New York Red Bull, uh, that team in, in New York City, and uh, meetings went well. And, and they pretty much told me they were going to select me with their first pick in, in the first round. Did it surprise you? Uh, or did you pretty much were projected first round, right? I was probably projected like late first round. Right. So I okay. think they had like the ninth or tenth pick. Mm -hmm. um, but that was the highest that I had heard fr from a team that said, hey, we're going to select you with our first pick. So I, I went to bed that night, like, you know, dreaming slash very anxious about New York City. Like, mm -hmm. man, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Like, New York <laughs> so City. I'm media murder. <laughs> yeah, like, it's expensive, you know, yeah, all sure. that stuff. Um, but, yeah, fast forward, draft, uh, eighth pick, Kansas City's on the clock. They actually called a timeout, uh, which I thought was kind of weird. So I, something was, like, happening, and you could kind of see on the floor people were picking up the phones, the phones. and – you know, potential trades and all that stuff. But the commissioner gets up on stage and, you know, says, you know, with the eighth pick, the Kansas City Wizards at the time. Yes, right. You know, select Matt Beasler. And I was – honestly, I was shocked. Um, had you heard from them before that? Had not heard a word from Kansas City. Um, I knew they knew who I was because mm -hmm. I was from Kansas City, but didn't have any pre-draft meetings or anything. So, wow. uh, yeah, just walked up on stage – can't tell you what I said. Can't remember. Um, <laughs> everything no else was like a whirlwind and <laughs> came off stage, you know, met, met Peter Vermees, um, who was the GM at the time, mm -hmm. met all the coaches. And uh, it's funny because like five minutes later, I got handed a phone and it was, uh, it was 810 radio. Oh, that's um, right. I've heard. And it. I think I've it heard was, about this conversation, by the way. Yeah. It was 10 minutes exactly after you were drafted. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get on the phone and I'm doing an interview um, on 810 and, which is a radio station that I grew up listening. I'm a right. huge sports radio fan. Right. And so, like, to me, that was one of the highlights. Like, man, I, I got to go on 810 <laughs> radio after this. And uh, overall, it was a great day. Yeah, great, great day. Yeah. You were drafted the same year as Graham Zussi, correct? Yeah. And he was drafted also by Sporting. Is it true that you lived in your mom and dad's basement for a period of time, you two? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. So, um, so, you know, fast forward, like, a couple months after the draft, we're going through preseason training camp. We got to make the team. Like, it's not like there's these huge multi-million dollar guaranteed contracts yeah, right. from these rook. Like, we didn't sign any anything. We had to like still make the team. And so we're going through preseason and we're trying to figure out what You're we want to do. Lawns. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we probably should have been trying to make some extra money. Um, so like a week or two before the season, you know, we're trying. We're still. We don't even know if we're going to make it or not. And so you know, I said, Graham. Who knows what's going to happen? We could get cut tomorrow. You know, we could make the team and get cut halfway through the season. Nothing's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So 
I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to live at my parents' house. I'm going to try and save money. I know it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you can go live out on your own if you want, but like, I think you should come live with us. We've got an extra bedroom. Our, the basement's finished. We've got, you can make your own apartment down there. And so mm-hmm. I basically convinced him to come live with me and, you know, <laughs> let's, let's live there for a couple months, you know, we'll get situated, get our contracts, and then we can move out, find an apartment on the plaza mm-hmm. or, or do whatever we want to do. Um, we lived there for a year. Oh. <laughs> we lived at my parents' house in the basement again, for one year. God bless your parents one more time. <laughs> you know what? It all worked out, and uh, we had some great home-cooked meals. And we How are, much grief did you take from your brothers for that? I, yeah, <laughs> we, I, we took more grief from our teammates. Okay, yeah, you know, Because well, we're in the right. locker room right. full of grown men who have families, and, you know, and, and we're living at my parents' house. Yeah. And so we took grief for it. Um, but you know what? We're not ashamed. No, it, yeah. heck no. And then 11 years with uh, with Sporting, and I think one year with Austin? 12 with Sporting. 12 with Sporting. 12 with Sporting, one with Austin. One with Austin, yeah. right. But 12 years in the league, which uh, just was – when you look back now, you're probably going, gosh, it's over. I'm retired. I'm a retired – I'm an ex-athlete at this yeah. point. But what a career uh, with uh, with Sporting. Just, uh, just tremendous, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was great. And then the United States Men's National. Well, let's, before we get to that, because some of this will intersect, when did you meet Amanda? I met Amanda in high school. Okay. Um, Amanda is two years younger than I am. Uh, She actually dated one of my good friends. Mm -hmm. Um, His name's Tanner Tolbert. um, I know Tanner Tolbert. Yes, I do. Um, So, uh, yeah, you, you know, you, yeah, everybody knows how it is in high school, right? your fringe group, you kind of all just hang out yeah, together. And, yeah. um, so Amanda and I just became friends through Tanner. Um, I was Tanner's best friend in high school and, um, you know, I never really viewed Amanda like that. You know, mm-hmm. she was just one of my best friends and, mm-hmm. you know, two years younger than me, never really thought of her like that. And, uh, but we stayed in touch over the years throughout mm-hmm. college. We dated other people. And then when I came back uh, to Kansas city to start playing professionally, mm-hmm. um, that's just when we started hanging out more. Um, and it's all just about timing, you know, the yeah. timing was right. Um, and we started dating and, um, got engaged and got married. Yeah. And the, um, she was an athlete herself. She was, she went to Lathe East. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she grew up here in Kansas city as well. Went to Lathe East. Uh, she played a bunch of different sports growing up, um, soccer, basketball, and then she, uh, ran cross country and track at KU. Um, so that was the sport that she really excelled at. Um, she's a long distance runner. Yeah. And she had a, a really great career at KU. Yeah, opposites attract. The sprinter over here yeah, doing short yeah, distance, yeah. and she's out there running five thousand meters. <laughs> I, I've ran. Uh, people ask me this. I've I've ran one time with Amanda um, for fun, <laughs> and uh, it was on vacation in Chicago, and it was it was horrible. <laughs> I, it was right along whatever uh, Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, Lakeshore you know, Drive, like yeah. right along how can you have a bad run on mm-hmm. Lakeshore Drive? You can't. I did. Yeah. Because I was running with her. Yeah. And I'm sure she was making sure, oh, are you okay, honey? Back here. Are you all right, honey? Yeah. You wanna, do you want me to slow down a little, honey? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I about like right. stopped and just rented one of those bikes. Yeah. Just, you run, I'll ride the bike. Yeah. And so as you progress through and now you're starting to have a family, your family's going to come along here pretty well, uh, you know, with Parker uh, being first and seven yeah. years old now at this point. But you get selected to try for the United States men's national team. What? What was that like? What was that selection process like for you? Did you have any inkling? I'm sure you dreamt about it, okay? Or, you know, if you're – I think that was probably one of your goals. I, I want to make that team. I'm a professional soccer player now. 
I have a chance to make this uh, this team, and that's going to be one of my goals. Yeah, so um, I spent a couple years in Major League Soccer before I ever really got a sniff with the national team. And it's different for everybody. You know, some guys have a lot of hype when they come in. Some guys get opportunities at a at an earlier stage of their career. But I, I had to sort of, you know, earn my way mm-hmm. and, and really earn my chance. Um, but I was ready for that chance when I got it. And I think that made a big difference for me um, and just my approach. But uh, the way that it works is uh, with the with the national team, specifically for this World Cup mm-hmm. in 2014, there's a pool of 35 guys. Uh, it is it's it's selected by by the coach. So the coach selects a group of 35 players to come in. You go to a camp. Uh, the camp was actually at Stanford. Mm-hmm. So we were at Stanford for about five weeks before the World Cup. 35 guys. We're all training together, um, and then it gets cut down um, a little bit. I think it's like 35 to 30. And then the big cut is from 30 to 23. Mm-hmm. 23 players make the roster. So if you've, you've seen the movie Miracle, yeah, right? You know, that's one of the crazier parts of the movie is when they, find, they make those last cuts yeah. and they can't get on the bus. Right. It was similar to that. You know, we went through this camp. Everybody's doing the same amount of work. We're all, we're a team. Right. But then on the last day, you've got to cut it down from 30 to 23. And there's seven guys that aren't getting on the plane to fly down to Brazil. Right. Um, so fortunately I was one of those 23, um, to be honest with you, did you, I wasn't at the very end. No, I wasn't. I felt like I was pretty established with Mm -hmm. my role. I was more considered a starter. And so, you know, the starting 11 and then you've got your reserves. So the fact that I was kind of in that starting 11 Mm -hmm. group, I, I pretty, you know, I felt secure about my spot. So I, I, I wasn't losing too much sleep, fortunately. Yeah. Now your first international goal, interesting little concept here your first international goal was on the same day what happened <laughs> yeah uh that was our our firstborn uh wow. parker our oldest daughter she was born on the same day um i'll try and make this a short story but the fact that we're on a podcast right <laughs> you now can i mean ta- you, yeah that's you, the beauty you're of just it. fine <laughs> so um yeah wife's pregnant amanda's pregnant for the first time uh she's two weeks from her due date so two weeks early We've got a World Cup qualifier um, happening. So this is to qualify to get us in um, to the next World Cup. We're playing a team called St. Vincent in the Grenadines. Okay. It's, it's one of the first stages of the World Cup. So you play a bunch of these like small Caribbean mm-hmm. teams, and you've got to make it through all the stages or whatever. So Amanda and I are sitting at the, at the dinner table, and I say, hey, I got called in to this game. I got named to the roster. Like, what do you think? Like, should I go? Should I not go? And... You know, it's two weeks before we should be mm-hmm. okay. And we decided, like, we'll, we'll be okay. You know what? Because if, <laughs> if you decide not to go and she doesn't have the baby, right. then it's like, well, you missed a chance to go play in a World Cup qualifier. Right. Um, and she said, you know what? If something happens to you, I'll call you. You get on the plane and you go home. So um, I'm down in the St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And I get a call the day before the game. Um, this is at, like, I don't know six o'clock at night and her water broke of course so i immediately go to our uh, administrator's office i say hey and he knew about it i said hey my wife's water broke book me a flight blah 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 so we're working on it and i can't get back no there's no way there's no from there no way (laughs) i had to take a flight a boat sorry a boat (laughs) from the saint vincent and the grenadines island over to uh 
Martinique mm-hmm. and fly from Martinique to Barbados and then Barbados to Miami. And then Miami, I couldn't even get a direct from Miami to Kansas City, so I had to go another. <laughs> so it was like five flights, 42 hours of travel, and I just wasn't going to make it back. No. Because when your water breaks, you've got to go have the baby mm-hmm. you know, within 24 hours or something. Sure. So made the tough decision to call my wife and say, I, I'm not making it back. You're having the baby without me. Uh, she called her mom, and her mom, graciously and fortunately for us, mm-hmm. she was by her side the whole time. Um, so wake up the next day. Um, my wife has the baby, Parker, our daughter. Um, she has her at like 4 o'clock in the morning, so I'm up all night kind of with her, FaceTiming. Mm-hmm. I don't really get any sleep. The game is at noon the next day. Uh, we play in the game, and I score my first and only international goal. Ever. Ever. <laughs> uh, you can't make it up. Can't make it up. Um, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, adrenaline, sure. emotions, especially for a first-time parent. Oh. You don't really know what you're doing. No. Oh. And you're scared. After like, four or five, you don't know what's doing. Yeah. Take it from me. And it's scary to have a kid. Yeah. Um, so you just, you know, feeling bad that you're not there, but... You know, at the at the end of the day, it it was an amazing experience. It's an incredible story. Yeah. Um, and it all worked out how it was supposed to work out. And I've got a I've got a soccer ball actually sitting in Parker's room mm-hmm. that we all signed, which is really cool. And um, there's an article that was written about that story in the New York Times the next day oh, wow. that we have um we have a copy of and yeah. I'll uh, I'll give it to Parker one day. Well, Parker will forgive you. Will Amanda ever forgive you for not coming back? Okay. No, the thing is, she she won't admit this, but she's it's probably a good thing I wasn't there. For <laughs> the first one. Yeah, like it's probably better her mom was there for the first one. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well that's the way you you know, you, you sort of couch it your way, okay? Yeah. That makes you feel better. Okay, I'm not I, sure. I'm two for three. I made the I made the other you two, the other and two. you know if you bat two for three, you're an all star. Yeah, let's talk about the other two. Marin, yeah, of course, another daughter, and then Miller, yeah, two and a half years old. Your your youngest son, uh, your only son, but he's your youngest as well. So uh, yeah. how's that all going now, Dad? It's going, uh, man. Parenthood is crazy. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's it's amazing too. But. Uh, it's it's busy. We're at a very busy stage just with how young they are. So Parker's mm-hmm. seven, Marin's five, and Miller is two and a half. Uh, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the two girls are getting into school, which is nice um, for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, especially my wife. Um, and yeah. then Miller's he's he's all boy. He loves sports, loves balls. Um, so that's really been fun just to getting him to getting to bond with him over that stuff. Yeah, they all. Do you see any soccer players there, or are you just going to let it roll and see what they decide? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, the the two girls are playing soccer. We're just playing rec right now over at Leewood Parks and Rec. Um, they've got some potential. Um, it was actually Marin's uh, first soccer game mm-hmm. um, oh, recently, gosh. and she did score a goal, which she was really excited <laughs> about, um, but it was for the other team. <laughs> So, and, uh, we, as they call it in soccer, an own goal. An own goal. Like, <laughs> we, goal. Uh, gosh, at that age, like, nobody really knows what's going on. So, like, we didn't even tell her it was for the other team. Yeah. Like, we're just letting her roll with it. And she's excited. She's excited. And then our teammates drag her over and go, Do you know that that goal you scored was for? Like, no, no. no. You know, no, they wouldn't do that. Not yet. They? No, not yet. They'll, they'll get there eventually. Um, you go through the World Cup experience, and I will get back to this uh, in a minute about the family and what you are doing now and everything you're doing here in Kansas City that uh, 
that you are giving back and in uh, where your career has headed for, from this time. You go to um, to the World Cup, Sao Paulo, Brazil. I mean, you're, the World Cup is in Brazil. For those people who don't know much about the World Cup, Brazil is one of the greatest soccer countries in the entire world. They won World Cups. Pele played for Brazil. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just an, an amazing thing. What was that like for you to play in the World Cup uh, at that time? So it, it was an interesting experience because when you're doing it, it, it feels like you're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. You're almost you're 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 protected in a lot of ways, you know, from the media, from the outside world, from everything going on back at home. Um, and so you are you are hyper focused on what you have to do. So it it's kind of sad because you're not able to take it all in, mm-hmm. and, and you miss a lot of things um, that happen. Um, but I I just I I do remember being down there. You feel like you're pretty far away from home, which you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could still feel the support and the passion coming from the United States or coming from Kansas City mm-hmm. or coming from your family and friends. Like you could feel that. And that's what I kind of took away. One of the things I took away was just how special that was, you know, being so far away, being disconnected, being mm-hmm. in a bubble, but still somehow like feeling that that just the pride that you're there representing your hometown, your That's your club, yes. your country. Yeah, so, absolutely. It was cool. So you get hurt when you're there. Yeah. And it just coincides that Brazil is playing one of the World Cup matches on the same day. And now you have to go to a hospital and get yeah. hurt. And so how'd what, you how'd you know happened? about this? What you happened? did your research. What happened here? What was okay. the deal? Okay, so we're so, in Sa- San Paulo, Brazil. Yeah, you're hurt. Yeah, and now I got to go to the hospital when the national team is playing in in the World Cup as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I got hurt. It was a minor injury. Um, so I tweaked my hamstring. So we had to drive from the hotel over to some doctor's office to get an MRI to see what grade strain it was. The doctor's office was, I think it was like. 2.4 miles away. Mm-hmm. Like we probably could have walked if I didn't have a bummed hamstring. So we get in this taxi and um, <laughs> Brazil is playing that day. Okay. I think it's like an hour or two before kickoff. Um, and it is packed. The streets are just lined with people. Everybody's wearing the, like the yellow national mm-hmm. team Jersey. It is a party and you can't drive anywhere. And so we're stuck, like we're stuck and people are just partying and juggling the soccer balls and doing the vuvuzelas and, um, we just didn't plan it very well. Um, and it just felt like a big party. The whole country was partying and ready for the game. And so it took us like, I don't know, an hour and a half to get to this doctor's office. So we, we get in, we do our MRI. It doesn't take very long, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We get back in the, in the taxi and drive back to our hotel takes us three minutes. Three minutes to get back from the doctors (laughs) to the hotel. The reason why it took three minutes, the game had started. So once the game started, everybody left. Off the streets. Off the streets, and they were dialed in to their TV. So it was thousands of people, maybe even a million people, out on the streets leading up to the game, as soon as 
the kickoff started, nobody was in the streets. It was like it was like a ghost town. Everybody went back and they that were just glued great. to the television. And it was, I mean, it was just a, and it was an experience. Yeah, it was crazy. Sure, absolutely. So what are we in for in 2026 here in Kansas City? Just even us. I mean, I know the United States, Canada, Mexico, everybody's going to host game. We don't know who our host teams will be. We don't know what games we're getting, et cetera, et cetera. They'll play at Arrowhead. They've got to get the grass in and the whole thing and set up all that sort of stuff. But what, what is this country in for? When, when we, or what is our city in for in 2026? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's, it's a, it's an incredible opportunity for us to showcase what we're about, not only to the United States, but to the world. Right. So there's that piece of it. But us specifically, I think it's just a unique experience for us. We're going to be able to experience, uh, other people's culture. So what's going to happen is, and we won't know exactly what culture that is until right. the draw, right. but what's going to happen is the teams are going to qualify and the schedule is going to come out. As soon as the schedule comes out, we're going to be able to see what teams are going to be playing here in Kansas City. And once that happens, that's when I'm going to get really excited because these teams are going to come to Kansas City and play, and thousands and thousands of their fans are going to come, and they're going to stay in Kansas City. And they're going to stay in our hotels, and they're going to walk our streets and eat at our restaurants. And that's just going to be different. You know, Kansas City, we don't get a lot of that. Right. The coasts might get that sometimes, but we don't get a lot of that. And so name a team, you know, like Argentina or yeah. Netherlands. Mexico. Or, well, Mexico will probably be down there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, Maybe imagine Germany. Germany imagine yeah, that... for three days in the middle of a summer – and there's 30, 40,000 Germans walking around experiencing Kansas City. Like, that to me is exciting. Yes. And that's a great opportunity for us. And I hope people embrace whatever teams come, embrace their cultures, um, you know, show off Kansas City, right. but also like welcome them. You know, I hope that the fans bring something to us too while they stay in Kansas City. Yeah, right. listen if that to makes them, sense. talk to them. Yes. You know, be kind to them on the yeah. streets. And again, they're going to find out there's just something about Kansas City, which we all know, but that's what we're trying to display to the world. at that, And we're talking the world yeah. at that time. We're not just talking about other people from the United States. Now we're talking about the world. A lot of people here have seen the parades. They've seen Union Station, the World War One Museum. Uh, they've seen the draft, okay? The NFL draft was here and the whole thing. We will again, once again, be able to, to show our city off. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, which is absolutely great. What are you doing now? I know the chicken and pickle thing is yeah. big for you, and I know you love the the uh, the, the pickleball, right? And I hear you're pretty doggone good, too. I know you might not talk about it much, but I know you're, you're into that as well. And, of course, um, you're with the Blue KC, uh, where you uh, honor people uh, every year for what they do with children. Uh, I just think, just give us a little little background of what Matt Beasler is up to these days. Retired at 36, of course, and has to find a new career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a loose term, loose term. So, yeah, um, I, I'm working with, with Chicken and Pickle. Right. I started working with them uh, about a year and a half ago. And you're in management, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. I'm, in, I'm, I'm sort of in their corporate office. Uh, they have some corporate offices up in North Kansas City. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, didn't think I'd be doing it. Uh, but I, I'm really grateful to just be involved in a, a, a fast growing company. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm learning a lot about the business itself. Um, but just like a different 
corporate setting. Um, there's things that you just don't don't learn when you're an athlete. Right. Uh, things like email. Like <laughs> seriously, just something like email. The amount of emails people send. Oh yeah. Like in today's world, it's it's kind of crazy. Nobody talks anymore. It's man. crazy. Nobody talks. So the first like month or two of of doing that, you know, my head is spinning, and it's like I stink at my job. You know, this is a lot. Um, and you just you learn how to manage your inbox and get organized and create folder or whatever your mm-hmm. system is. You kind of just learn and 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 you, you figure it out. Um, but just little things like that. Um, I've really enjoyed being challenged and just learning something different. Um, I think pickleball is just a fun space to be in right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of hype. Uh, it just it's an exciting time um, for us to be involved, and there's a lot of growth um, in the next you know, 12 to 24 months, we're going to be opening up a bunch of uh, new locations Mm -hmm. across the country. Um, So yeah, there's that side of it. And then I'm also doing some work with Blue KC. Yeah. Uh, Explain to Blue KC. Yep. uh, We call it our Sporting Samaritan program. Mm -hmm. It's a program that we started when I played for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, We honor teachers and coaches around the Kansas City metro area. And we do it once a month throughout the the, uh, sporting season. And uh, fortunately, again, I've I've been able to continue that. You know, I'm not a player anymore, but I convinced them that I can stay on, and yeah. I'm an ambassador for them. And um, it's been really fun. It's uh, like I said, we honor a teacher once a month, and we invite them out to sporting. They get to come to a match. They go on the field before the game. They get a you know VIP tour, right? Um, and then we also get to visit them in their classroom. And that's one of my favorite parts about the program is you get to go see them in their environment. And we get to surprise them, and they're just seeing like the look on the the kids' faces, yeah. and you know, highlighting their teacher. It's a cool day for mm-hmm. everybody involved. Um, so yeah, doing those things, and I've been doing a little speaking as well. So Good. Um, really enjoyed that too. It's to me, it's a chance to kind of get myself organized mm-hmm. in my previous life, and to be able to kind of pass on right. tidbits and tips and stuff to other people. Um, and so I've I've recently started doing some of that too. And what is your message? Um, so I focus on five of my core values. Um, hard work, confidence, uh, leadership, um, reliability, and adaptability. Right. And I, I kind of explain how I arrived at those core values. Some of them came natural to me. Some of them I had to work harder at. But I think those five core values... Um, were very important in, in, in my success. Yeah, and the fact that you, and that also relates to just about anybody. You can go to maybe not, in, well, an elementary school maybe, but I'm talking about high school, college, corporations, et cetera. You can talk to anybody about those core values, just guide it towards that audience, yeah, correct? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's what a, a yeah. talented and good speaker does, right? They're, yeah. They're able to, yeah. yeah. I'm still learning. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we all are. We all are. <laughs> we're, we're all still learning. And so you and Amanda and the kids, you could have settled anywhere in the country, and you are here. And I know this was your hometown and the whole thing, so that, that's part of it. But what is it about Kansas City for you that really just uh, touches your heart? Yeah, so, um, I mean, a lot of people are probably going to say people. Mm-hmm. Um, they start with that. <laughs> so let's just start with that. The people of Kansas City are special. Um, everybody talks about it, and nobody can quite explain it. And I think that's that's the beauty of it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this. It's still special, and it's still 
something that, that nobody can quite figure it out. And I hope it stays that way. Um, because that's, I think part of the reason why Kansas city is so special is mm -hmm. not everyone knows about it. Um, so the people are, are really special. The other thing that I, I think is, is special about Kansas city is I just think it has the, the perfect mix of like traditional values, mm -hmm. but also progressive. Um, and, and to me, like that's, that's what I enjoy. Like there's, there's enough things that people care about that they've been doing their own way for a hundred plus years and it's never going to change. Right. And you do it this way and this way. And, <laughs> but then there's enough things that aren't, they're new, they're fresh downtown crossroads, the right. new restaurants. And I just think it's a beautiful blend of both of those, you know, things. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I love the traditions, you know, I love, I think Kansas city has beautiful traditions right? and, um, that other cities might not have. Right. And I think it kind of just like flows throughout the year. We have the four seasons, right. which I think the traditions help with that. Um, when I'm in Kansas city, I get a feeling. I have a feeling that I have um, in Kansas City where I don't have anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is is derived around those traditions. Like, you know, in the springtime, you know, the Big 12 basketball tournament. Like, to me, that is a feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, that Big 12 basketball tournament week, like, you get a feeling. You're like, oh, yeah. It happens every year. Right. The same time. you didn't time, go to any of the The weather's 12. the same. Right. You didn't and, go to any of those and schools. And it's part of my life. Right. Every spring, Big right. 12 basketball tournament, downtown Kansas City. That's right. It's like Thanksgiving parade when you guys all dress up in funny costumes and go run in the, yeah. the, the, the Thanksgiving race, right? Yeah. So there's just – there's so <laughs> many of those things, you know, like 4th of July, like mm -hmm. my family, we go out to Stillwell every year. Yeah. We do it every year. I get the feeling around 4th of July, like this is what I should be doing, you know, Football season in Kansas City, the fall, the barbecue, like people feel that kind of stuff. The Plaza Lights, mm -hmm. um, it and it just like it's reoccurring and it kind of happens every year and it's this cycle. Um, so I don't know that that's a very long answer, but I think it is one of the special things about Kansas City. Well, you hit it right on the head, my friend, and you are one of the reasons why there's just something about Kansas City. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. Thank You're you. You're a good man, Matt Beasley. Continue success with you. Thanks, I appreciate it.